Hi everyone. So today we are interviewing Dr. Carolina Skripek. So to start off, our first question was if you could, we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you do in your career. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Dr. Carolina Skripek. I'm an internal medicine physician by training. Um, and I currently work at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. I work there as a medical director. I've been there for um, just over a year. And I work in a department called Provider Engagement. Um, so we work with a lot of the providers. Um, we work on a lot of things called value-based contracts with our providers. Um, and a lot of other programs and initiatives and incentives um, that we have with our providers here in Michigan. So. Um, I'm currently not practicing. Um, I have not practiced for a little bit over a year. And I've dedicated um, most of my time to the current work that I'm doing at Blue Cross. Okay, great. That sounds so cool. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've been exposed to healthcare disparities and um, like how you incorporate that in your work? Yeah, so um, of course, you know, we know that healthcare disparities um, really affect our patients and affect the outcomes for our patients. And so um, at Blue Cross, um, we're currently addressing healthcare disparities. Um, there's actually a much greater effort, um, even within the last year, even before COVID started, that we have launched to try to address um, health disparities. So some of the things that um, I'm involved in working on related to healthcare disparities is implicit bias. Um, we're going to be training um, or asking that all of the providers um, in something called the PCMH program that we have through Blue Cross Blue Shield are trained in implicit bias. And also we're doing a lot of work related to things like social determinants of health. Um, and social determinants of health are basically things that are in a person's environment or um, related to some social factors in their life that actually influence um, the way that, that their healthcare outcomes, um, you know, uh, the things that, that happen to their health. So it may be things like transportation or lack of food that can really affect somebody's health in the long run. So um, as far as the implicit bias goes, um, maybe I'll just talk about that a little bit more. So um, we've known for many years that implicit bias affects the decisions that healthcare providers make. Um, and the reason it affects our decisions is because implicit bias, which is a way of stereotyping um, and a way of that our brain actually makes these um, connections to things, um, it affects doctors as well. So, you know, a lot of times we as physicians like to think that, you know, we have no prejudice, but implicit bias is actually a process that's in our brain that we're not even aware of that's happening because it's been influenced um, by all the things that we've experienced in our lives. And so a lot of times we as doctors may not know, um, may not be aware that A, it exists, um, and B, that it influences the decisions we make on our patients. And sometimes that could really affect um, somebody's health outcome if we don't stop and think about that and try to make sure that that's not affecting the decisions that we're making. And so we thought that um, it'd be really important to address those two topics, so implicit bias in healthcare and social determinants of health um, initially. But 
Of course, there are many other um, healthcare disparities um, out there related to things like um, access to uh, treatment, uh, related to specific diseases even, um, you know, hypertension, diabetes. And so there's still a lot of work to be done out there, but those are kind of the two biggest areas of focus that I've been working on. Okay, so our next question was actually regarding implicit bias and um, uh, the classes that we, uh, we learned that you hosted webinars and different classes on health disparities and implicit bias. Do you have any other like main points or things that you would like to share about the class itself or just like what you taught? Yeah. Yeah. So um, recently uh, we gave a master class type of class um, at Blue Cross, um, which uh, there's a lot of representatives that call in um, to those classes to kind of learn more about the topic. And first of all, we wanted to define implicit bias. So we wanted to make sure that everybody that was calling in um, to that class knew what it meant because there may be, you know, a little bit of a lack of knowledge of, of what it actually means and how it actually works. Um, we also wanted to present in that class that it does affect providers and it does affect everybody because we as doctors are human. And so uh, we are subject to the same types of, you know, um, stereotypes and the same type of implicit bias that anybody else as a human being would have because it's simply a way that our brain has adapted to uh, be able to sift through multiple um, stimuli. And then we also, in that class, um, I presented, you know, some real life examples um, of implicit bias that I have experienced, um, both that I have experienced personally being um, a female doctor and also um, implicit bias that I've, um, you know, some cases for, for patients. So um, one of the things that I talked about is, you know, working as a, as a female doctor, um, when I was a little bit younger, maybe I looked a little younger <laughs> than I do right now, um, I would walk into a patient's room and the patient would say that, oh, there's, you know, this college student <laughs> just walked in here. I'm not sure what she needs. Or I was always... Um, they always said that I was like a technician or a nurse. Um, and so when I did tell them that, you know, actually, you know, I've already finished medical school and I'm in residency now, so I'm, I'm considered a doctor, like they would be very surprised at that. They like couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, you're either too young to be a doctor or just the fact that I'm female. Um, and so like I, I talked a little bit about that as well. Um, there's also instances where, you know, um, sometimes I would, uh, go to see a patient and um, uh, another um, provider, maybe like a physician assistant was in the patient's room before me and they had told the patient something else. And then I came in and I said, well, actually something just changed and I'm, I'm actually the physician. That was the physician assistant and he works under me. And this is actually the new decision. And they wouldn't believe me um, because I was female. <laughs> so um, there's been, so that's how I've, you know, I've experienced implicit bias like personally but also I've seen it how my patients have experienced it and I've seen it in in instances where somebody just because of the way that they look on the outside um, received treatment that was different than somebody who maybe looked different than they did so there's a lot of um, studies out there for example there was one study that showed um, this um, so there was a study that showed doctors came together 
and they were presented pictures of different patients. And some of the, one group of patients was um, African American, and the other one was white. And they were asked, you know, what what do you who do you think has heart disease, and who do you think should get um, a cardiac catheterization, which is a type of treatment that unblocks the arteries when somebody has a heart attack. And actually, the doctors all thought that um, all the patients had heart disease, whether they were uh, African American or white. But then when they were asked, you know, how many of these patients would you actually treat with this life-saving procedure, um, they actually treated, um, they would say they would treat the African-American patients less often with that procedure than they would the, the white patients. And so there's a lot of examples like that where if, if we as um, providers, as physicians, don't stop and understand that, you know, maybe some of our decisions are influenced by these um, unconscious, you know, biases that we have in our head. Um, if we don't stop and like, and think about that, then it's going to influence our decisions. And, you know, in that example, I just gave about the heart patient, I mean, that could be like a very serious, um, you know, decision that you make. And so, you know, one of the things that, and then one of the other things that I talked about in the, in the masterclass that we gave was, you know, our efforts at Blue Cross to try to um, educate our providers on this topic and make sure that they're taking classes because I feel like in our um, medical education, maybe even residency training programs, there's just not a lot of awareness or training around this at all. Um, I can actually say I never received any training um, myself. And so I think this is at least, you know, a step in the right direction. And we hope it brings awareness and we hope that, um, you know, more people start to realize how, how important this really is to the decisions they make. It could be just as important as, um, you know, passing a board exam or, or you know, other important classes and, and concepts that you learn in medical school because it makes a huge difference in uh, the treatment that your patients get. I had on a question relating to what you just said. Would you say that implicit bias is just something that is a result of like societal, like just society in general or something that we are taught like in school or like you guys are taught in like med school? Yeah, so implicit bias is a combination of all of those things. It's basically our brain um, taking all of the things that we see, um, all those influences, so things we see on TV, for example, if you keep seeing a picture of a nurse being female and a doctor being male over and over again in your life, then you know your brain starts to make these connections. And so the next time that you see um, a female, you think nurse, and the next time you see a doctor, you think male. They've even done these experiments where um, they've um, had like a hiring um, technique for um, people who are auditioning for like a symphony orchestra. And what they did is they found that when um, the people that were hiring the musicians were blinded to whether they were male or female, they actually picked um, female musicians more often than they did when they knew the gender of, of the person. So um, these are all, you know, implicit bias is from all the things that we, like you mentioned, it's things that we see growing up. It's what our parents teach us. Yeah, it's also the way maybe, you know, we're trained in medical school. Um, obviously, if you have somebody that, you know, you look up to and, and you know, they have certain points of view, um, that's going to influence um, those associations and those stereotypes that you have in your head. 
And then the next time, you know, you see somebody of that race or, you know, just that outward appearance, it, it's not necessarily race. It could be gender. It could be age. Um, you could have an implicit bias towards anything, actually. You could have an implicit bias towards the type of food you like. Um, you, it's, you know, we all have those biases. Um, the problem is, you know, having biases towards objects, for example, like my brain makes the connection that the fridge has food and that's okay. You know, that kind of connection is okay. But when we make those connections about people, um, it's not good because then we're automatically associating that, you know, because this person looks a certain way, this is, you know, the type of person they are. And so that's why we really have to start becoming more aware that maybe, you know, over years, like we've made these associations and they may not necessarily be true. So that's kind of how, you know, how our brain builds up those, all those biases. Um, I like that you mentioned about your, your personal experience with implicit bias as a female doctor. Um, like I never really thought about that before. And in my own experience, like I get super upset or annoyed when like work isn't credited to me and like a silly like project for school or something mm -hmm. so I like cannot imagine how frustrating it would be to like go through undergrad and then med school and residency and to still not be treated equally to like your male counterparts that must be really annoying and I'm sorry you have to go through that <laughs> but, yeah, um, moving on from that we did some research about COVID disparities on people of color so I know you briefly mentioned it a little bit, but in your experience, how would you say um, COVID has directly affected minorities in comparison to their counterparts? Yeah, so, you know, COVID um, has really brought to light how healthcare disparities are affecting our patients. Um, so in a lot of the reports and um, publications around healthcare disparities and COVID, we've noticed that African Americans and Latinos are actually infected more often um, with the virus, and also they die more often from the virus. Um, so initially, those increased numbers um, are, were likely secondary to, due to the fact that they were becoming exposed more. So. Um, they have a lot of more of like the frontline jobs, you know, they have to be out there working. Um, a lot of them don't have the luxury of working from home. Um, and so, you know, we've noticed that there was a huge, huge disparity um, because of that. So African Americans were actually um, dying, I believe, three times more often than white patients. And then um, Hispanic patients were actually dying um, at, a, at a rate of 70% more often um, than white patients. Um, but what we found here in Michigan was that, or just in general, was that most of the um, Hispanic patients that were getting infected were actually younger patients. Um, so actually it wasn't 70% more of them were dying, 70% more of them were actually getting infected, but less of them were dying because they were younger patients. But for African-American patients, yeah, we definitely saw a huge disparity and the number of patients who were getting infected and um, who were dying. And so when we um, dive deeper into that, into the research and try to figure out why is this happening, um, A, you know, some of it is related to, again, you know, that increased um, exposure. Um, B, it could be related to, you know, access to healthcare. It could be related to things like implicit bias. It could also be um, related to comorbidities. 
So, you know, if, if you don't have the appropriate type of access to care, for example, mental health care or any type of health care in general, and you have a lot of comorbidities, which are um, diseases that you already have, for example, heart disease, diabetes, and if those are not treated adequately, then you get a virus on top of that. And it's really challenging for your body to, you know, fight that off um, as opposed to somebody who, who doesn't have those diseases. And so, you know, what COVID brought to light was already, you know, a population that, you know, maybe doesn't have as great of access to healthcare. They don't, um, African-Americans don't have um, insurance as often as, as white patients. And then um, on top of that comorbidity, so all of these things that were already, you know, happening in our, in our healthcare system that gave um, ethnic minorities um, a disadvantage now you add a virus to that. And, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult um, for somebody who already has all these issues to fight off um, a virus and to come out of it, you know, the same way somebody who's a lot healthier does. So COVID has really brought healthcare disparities to light. Um, there is a task force that was organized by the governor. And um, actually through that task force and a lot of the work that they did, they were actually, um, they started to see that that, um, that difference in um, the death rates for the white patients versus the black patients or African-American patients actually started to um, not be as wide. So there weren't as many deaths. So a lot of those efforts that they put into place um, were working. And um, the last that I knew of the statistics was that not, so that, that gap wasn't as big. So not as many um, African-American patients more than, than white patients um, were dying. But that took a lot of awareness and effort on the part of that task force and a lot of things that they did out in the community to make people aware of you know, what the virus is and how you can contract it. And um, it also made us as, you know, healthcare providers, but also like healthcare um, agencies such as Blue Cross aware that, you know, this is happening and we really have to start tackling these types of problems and addressing them and finding ways to help solve them. So I almost feel like COVID, you know, expedited and was like a catalyst for a lot of these issues that were already in place. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have died because of it, um, but it has brought to light the need for improvement in healthcare disparities. Thank you so much. That was super helpful. And a lot of that we didn't like know. I didn't know that the specific percentages of like black people getting and dying more than like, like non basically compared to their white counterparts. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's it was very unfortunate, but um, I think with how quickly we all recognized it and acted on it, you know, um, hopefully those disparities continue to improve and get better. Yeah. Um, and as you said before, I know you mentioned that in your medical education, health disparities and healthcare disparities and implicit bias weren't really part of the curriculum. What would you say were the challenges and why these weren't subjects that were covered and how can we address them now, even as like a community, what can we do to bring more awareness to this issue? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, 
I think, you know, we've known that health disparities affect our, our patients for years. There was actually um, an article that was published um, over 20 years ago um, by the Institute of Medicine um, called Unequal Treatment that specifically addressed health disparities. And it showed that um, ethnic minorities, um, even when it comes to basic type of health care, don't receive it at the same level as um, white people do. And so we've known um, that healthcare disparities exist. We've known that um, it affects our patients and it, and it affects the outcomes that they have. Um, and I think one of the challenges for why it hasn't been implemented is, you know, medical education um, hasn't changed a lot in like probably over a hundred years. And I think there needs to be like a revamping of the whole system. And that is slowly starting to happen. For example, um, when I was a resident, we were asked to work like 30 hour shifts at a time. And then, um, you know, obviously somebody in their right mind said, okay, that's probably not a great idea <laughs> to like have somebody awake for 30 hours and, you know, be doing these procedures and things on patients. Like that's just not healthy. It's not, it's not good for the patient. It's not good for you as a person, as a physician, like you still need, you know, sleep and those basic needs. And so, you know, I think, um, the more that um, we talk about these issues and the more that like these disparities come to light and unfortunately, you know, this pandemic has really brought them to light. I think the more that um, healthcare institutions, you know, teaching institutions, academic institutions will start to realize how important these types of discussions are and will hopefully start to integrate them into things like medical education and graduate medical education. Um, I know now, um, you know, I did my um, training at Henry Ford um, and I, I've heard now that all the residents, um, I'm not sure if all the residents, but some of the residents there are required to learn about implicit bias. And so um, even in the last, you know, maybe five or six years that I've been out of residency, um, they're already making those changes. And so I think, you know, the more that that medical education and graduate medical education evolves, um, even just from, you know, some of those things that I feel should be changed, even even outside of this topic, um, I think they'll they'll start to, you know, integrate um, teaching of healthcare disparities and how it affects their patients and hopefully dedicate at least, you know, some amount of time to this topic. Thank you. Um, that was actually our last question. So do you have anything else you would like to say? No, I just uh, wanted to say thank you for inviting me to this interview. It's been um, a lot of fun. So, um, you know, if you ever need me to come back and talk about other topics or um, maybe talk about health disparities again in the future, I'd, I'd love to do that. Thank you. Thank you. You've been great too. Thank like so I, we learned much. so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye.